Hello and welcome back to Up the Duff for episode seven, Forever Alone. Now, a few weeks ago, we looked at Cheltenham's best ever loan players, threw out some names, and we asked you in our question of the day who you thought deserved the title as Cheltenham's best ever loan player. So today we're going to have a quick look through your suggestions. It'll be a shorter episode than normal, but hopefully it'll be just as good. Yeah, uh, we'll also be looking back at our last two games. Of course, uh, a poor performance against Bradford, followed by what was, f- frankly, quite surprisingly, a winner went away at top of the league Cambridge it was a fantastic game last night and we have a kite I say a treat we have a treat in my from in my eyes towards the end we talked through our favorite ever Cheltenham Town football shirts not the best for a podcast I know on account of you not being able to see them but hopefully if you uh, use your imagination you'll be able to just remember what they look like and maybe we'll release a nice little concept we've got going for a new away kit for next season yeah but first Bradford more like Badford. Well, bad for us at least. <laughs> yeah, it it was a disappointing game, I have to say, and does not not helped by the fact that their first goal came from another mistake at the hands of Josh Griffiths. Yeah, I mean, we we never really looked like we were in the game, to be honest. Um, I don't think for any minute that we looked like scoring. I, don't know. I think we I think we flattered Bradford. I don't think they were an excellent side, but you know, it, it was quite reminiscent of our, our performance against Barrow, I thought. Um yeah, we just didn't didn't show up. Yeah. Um we got Bradford at a bad time. They are the informed team in League Two. They've won the last few on the bounce. But we didn't seem to put any fight up against them. I think we had two chances mostly the whole game. Alfie May firing wide on a one-on-one, which was quite annoying. So that could have that could have put us back in it. But yeah, it's a weird thing about Josh Griffiths. Is I feel like he's much better when he's busy and he's switched on. But when he doesn't have that much to do, maybe he switches off a bit. And that the goal they've scored to open it up was a very weak goal. That should never be going in. It shouldn't be able to put a corner over the goalkeeper like that and just have some tapping into the back post. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that sentiment. Um, it's probably unfair to talk about the City game in, in this because, you know, it's, it's, it's a dramatically different quality of football. But he's, he was so busy for 90 minutes and he, he, did, a, he did a fantastic job. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, he just dozes off a bit or he finds himself in the wrong position. Yeah. You know, his worst his on. worst mistakes were, um, he, you know, those freak goals Brimsby, from Newport. wild positions. Yeah. Where, um, you know, you think a person of his height, his stature would, would be able to reach it. And unfortunately... No, it was it was annoying. It, I think it would have given us the chance to go second. Had we won that game, we'd be top of the league right now, which makes it all the more annoying. It's in the past, we've just got to build on that. Now, the worst part is we picked up a few injuries and we have continued to do so. Yeah, um, I think the best word we can use to describe our, our current injury situation is crisis it was bad going into to, to last night's game obviously will boyle was out for the bradford game um and charlie raglan's back when uh, on the morning of the cambridge game and then during the cambridge game it was it was like a revolving door of uh, defensive uh, changes yeah, everyone just seemed to go down a lot. Now, the good news is Charlie Ragland just twinged his back. I think it was, so he should be okay for this Saturday's game. Will Boyle, we had good news. It's 
I wouldn't, it's better news than what we were expecting. He won't be out for the season, just five to six weeks, I think it was, which is pretty much the rest of the season. Maybe back for Harrogate to win us the league with a 90th minute header, perhaps, who knows? But yeah, it wasn't the best game, but we really did turn it around and bounce back last night. I thought that was one of our, it was, it was a very interesting performance. Cambridge were a very good team. I saw they were very talented. They were almost playing us off the park at times, but we have gone there and we've nicked all three points, I reckon. Yeah, it was um, quite incredible performance, I thought. Uh, it wasn't much to, to watch, but what with the, the players we had missing, the, the, the fact they are one of the best teams in the league, you know. I, I'd make a distinction between between Cambridge and um, a lot of other teams we've seen. Um, they had us pegged back, obviously, for, for those last 20 minutes, but they just they couldn't find the same kind of breakthrough that they could at Wadden Road, and yeah. We've redeemed ourselves in in a yeah. way from that game. I'd say so, yeah. To be honest, I reckon Cambridge are probably the best footballing side we've come up against. Now, yes, they do are missing their main two players, but half our team was missing, so I'm not really sure that's an excuse for them. The main thing is we managed to get that goal, which was a very good goal, to be fair. Alfie May has put a filthy ball into the box for Sean Long, our makeshift right centre-back, I think, or left centre-back to just head home. And then we managed to see it out, which was fantastic to see. It feels like we're actually getting somewhere with that and seeing out games, even if they did miss a header from about two yards out. And uh, Griffiths was forced into a couple saves. I'm absolutely delighted. We saw it out, especially after what happened last time we played Cambridge. Exactly. We're finally making strides, I think, in that game game management department you know making sure that we can t- convert a 1-0 lead in, into an actual victory but I thought as well that um, it was quite routine for us in a sense because we, we do always show up against the better teams in the league um, I just want to see us actually do that against you know like your scum thoughts who were playing at the weekend um, playing South End I think um the week after that too so in a way our biggest tests are not um those top of the league six pointers is it's just run of the mill kind of you know sticky games against um the lower teams yeah i think that's absolutely true we have always for some reason ended up played better against the bigger teams i mean man city showed that even if we didn't win and yeah the, the games i'm worried about the games against the clubs towards the bottom but I think it was still very very good that we got these points I feel like their commentator summed up perfectly where it's a must win for Cheltenham and a mustn't lose for Cambridge and now two points off the top I think Forest Green have now got a game in hand over us but we just have to keep winning I reckon and I think we can just as long as we start playing good football against the poorer sides and my only concern with that is that half the team is now with Gav Crow. <laughs> well you know it's I, I I'd say the Forest Green and Cambridge are the two teams that I was scared of, as it were. You know, Cambridge the best footballing side in the league. Forest Green look incredibly strong. We've done all of our games with them. Now. We don't need to focus on them. They're out of our control. All we need to focus on is just banking points. Yeah. That's it. There's nothing else we need to do. It's in our hands, pretty much. We need to really get on with this. We need a bit like the uh, National League title win campaign where we came back from nine points behind and just ran away with it. That's what we need. We need a good run of form. We need, we need our players to switch on. I'm I'm confident that Wright can kind of push us towards, as the other Wright did in the National League, 
because he is a very talented player. And this um, Sam Smith also looks very good. I was just scrolling through Instagram earlier and I saw it was like most underrated players in the EFL and he was the first name on the list, which I think is a very good sign. So hopefully mm. he'll get those goals and he'll get us scoring. <laughs> One thing I've noticed is Alfie May has just started to chip in with the crosses as well. So that's another thing we can bring to the side. It's another thing we can use to hopefully push towards promotion. Definitely, you know, uh, we, we need our players to be versatile if Alfie May is not scoring goals he needs to be assisting them and we know he can do that so very good now did you think let's say 2017 would be in this position where we'd be disappointed not to get automatic promotion it's unbelievable isn't it um, well, I think back in 2017, if you asked me if Gary Johnson would still be here, I'd say no. But I, I never thought for one minute that we'd get in a manager of Michael Duff's quality. Um, Michael Duff did sh- shock me because, you know, his initial form uh, wasn't great, but we've come on leaps and bounds ever since. Yeah. I mean, we were disappointed last year that we didn't get a promotion. So this very, year, very our weird. expectations are, are through the roof. It's, it's incredibly odd because Cheltenham have always been a club mostly near the top of one league and then near the bottom of another. So we've always mm. been promoted up to League Two twice, promoted up to the Football League twice in the past 20 three years now I think it is and we've always been kind of up and around made a few playoff finals we even topped the league in 2012 obviously we did kind of fall down from that it feels like Mm -hmm. we go through five year situations of being really good or not and I'm hoping this one we're good and we're good enough to go up and then we're good enough to stay there we we need that kind of sustainability I think you know because um it's all well and good having bursts, you know, getting getting as high as you can, but we, we can't stop ourselves from falling from those heights, you know? Yeah. We had that, that period in League One, what must have been about 15 years ago now, and then we fell all the way down to the National League. Now, it, it could be even worse. You look at Yeovil, for instance, they're in the Championship at one point, and they're in, they're in the National League as well now, so... Bolton going it's from the just... Premier League to League Two. Teams like that. Portsmouth are in the Premier League, now in League Two. Wigan might be in League Two next season. Hopefully we don't play them in League Two next season, but, you know. <laughs> now, the interesting thing is, I've just had a look at the current table where we sit nicely in third on 50 points. Do you know how many points it took us to get League One survival the time we stayed up? Uh, no, I have no idea. It was 51, I do believe, which was absolutely mental that we managed to do it. Yeah. It just goes to show League One isn't going to be easy as Swindon and crew are showing but I hope we can do a bit better than them shall we move on or have you got anything else to say? I hope Swindon go down they're not in the relegation zone at the moment but they're close hopefully Bristol Rovers get good new manager season hopefully not Yeah, but then it will drag Swindon Rovers, Swindon and Northampton can all go down. That'll be amazing. Okay, yes. A very disappointing result followed by a very good one. We're now going to move on to the main focus of our episode, where we did ask who you thought the best ever Cheltenham Town loan players are. So I've had a look into them in a bit more detail, and me and Harry are going to discuss them now. I'm going to get us started off with one of the big names that everyone seemed to mention, of Stephen Gillespie, a striker. Started his career at Liverpool, was released, signed for Bristol City in 2004, who were then in League One, and was sent on loan to Cheltenham, where he scored four in his first five games. Joined on loan again at the end of the 2004-05 season, and again at the start of the 2005-06 season, before signing permanently in 2006 for an undisclosed fee. 
He won the League Two playoffs with us. He's played 92 games. He got 30 goals and he left apparently for 400,000 to Colchester in 2008. Then went to Fleetwood. And then guess what, Harry? What, Ben? Back on loan to Cheltenham before he joined Bristol Rovers, Altrincham and Skelmersdale. Now, Stephen Gillespie is a name I know from growing up. He was an absolutely fantastic player and a very good striker for us. Yeah, I've heard very good things, obviously. Um, you know, how a lot of transfer a record for what must have been 10 or 11 years before um, Moisa went off to Bristol City. Um, I think that speaks for itself. Clearly, Colchester valued him just as highly as we did. And then... You know, we managed to um, get him back to a massive profit. I've, I've got very good memories of him, yeah. I, I mean, I was quite young at the time, so they're not very vivid or very clear. But I do remember him mm. being a very good player. Now, 2008, £400,000 was a lot of money. Still is today in League Two terms. But, Harry, you've got an interesting player to talk about next. Who have you gone for? Well, yeah. Um... It feels like... Mm-hmm. We go through five-year... From your list, uh, I've picked Medialito, a player who was at the club back when I started supporting them in 2010. Midfielder, kind of, um, also on the wing. Yeah, you kind of caught me out when I read the notes because (laughs) I hadn't realised this. But Medialito is a rapper now. Not many people have realised that. In all fairness, yeah. No offense to him. I'm sure he is very good at it. Now, I I don't understand the scene at all. You know, <laughs> like maybe 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 if I like liked rap music more, um, I could have told you that off the top of my head. But apparently, he's been a relatively successful. You know, he he's he's been on a track called um, Balenciaga uh, alongside some other rappers who I don't know, and then he. Uh, he released his first single in 2017, and that song was shared by Beyonce on Instagram, Ooh. which must have been been absolutely huge for him. Uh, he's performed at Wireless and at Wembley, and he's not got a club at the moment, which implies he's probably just retired off the back of his musical success. Fair play to him. It was certainly interesting bit of information to uh to unearth i think last he was at barnet in the national league maybe he's still there i'm not entirely sure but you know certainly an interesting one in terms of loan players now the next one i'm going to look at is currently a manager unfortunately not a rapper i'm sure he could give it a go if he wanted it's another club legend and it's grant mccann he's a midfielder he came on loan from west ham at the turn of the century joined us for a cool 50k our transfer record still Played around 200 games for Cheltenham, five seasons and 45 goals. He was very, very good for us, played his part in promotions and almost got us promoted last season when he gave us Jacob Greaves as well. Yeah, um, very lucky that he's a whole city in a way because it's, um, it's quite a nice uh, link for the club to have, you know. Um, Jacob Greaves, Max Sheaf, um, Elliot Bonds this season too, obviously. Um, before he broke something. Yeah, Grant McCann was, again, before my time, but you can clearly see his influence 
uh, on the club. He is remembered very fondly by fans. And obviously, when we put that question of the day out, he was one of the <clears throat> one of the top names that came back. And an international. He played a few games for Northern Ireland, which means you have to be good to play international football. Yes. Harry, who was your next choice? Yeah, my next choice was um, probably my, my favourite player from the Ruby era as it were. That's Marlon Pack, a fantastic midfielder who we were incredibly lucky uh, to sign on a permanent deal after his loan finished. Uh, He joined us from Pompey in 2010. He scored countless goals, uh, crucial ones, uh, including uh, the one in the uh, the two playoff semi-final away at Torquay. And then he went off to Bristol City for, um, I think it was quite a nice thing. Yeah, he went to Bristol City before compensation for being uh, under the age of 24, roughly about 100k, I think. But we're still making money from him. So he's at Cardiff now. If they uh, somehow get promotion to the Premier League again, we're going to get a nice nice little bonus for that. Uh, I'm not particularly fond of Cardiff, though, so it's, um, yeah, it could be nice, but you'd have to see him go up. So it's Very, very true, yes. Now, Marlon Pack in his career has got over 500 games, 32 goals. He played 100 of those games for us and scored 14 of his goals for Cheltenham, which was a very, very good thing to see. I have watched Bristol City a couple of times in Villa. He's been playing. Obviously, he's nowhere near the level of Super John McGinn, but he is still an outstanding player. Now, we're just going to touch in a bit less detail on some of the other players you mentioned. I'm going to go with one who is currently at Blackpool, and that's Luke Garver. He was a bit of a left-back, bit of a winger we had on loan in 2011. Now, if you listen to our previous episodes, you'll know I asked, who did we beat in 2012 to put us top of the league? Who was it, Harry? They don't exist anymore. I don't know. Ooh! Oh, um... (laughs) Is it Darlington? No, just kidding. Macclesfield. It was Macclesfield. Do you know who scored the goal to put us ahead at their place and uh, put us top of the league? Was it Luke Garber? It was Luke Garber. He scored a cheeky free kick to put us top. Now, he stayed at Everton for a long time. I wouldn't have had any idea either. (laughs) I weren't looking at the script in front of me. (laughs) Love the honesty, but yeah. He was an England youth international from 2008 to 2015, playing all the way from under 16 to 21. Stayed at Everton a very long time and then joined Blackpool in 2020. He was a good player. Who's the next one you're going to talk about, Harry? Yeah, let's talk about... Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Michael Hector next. Um, he joined us online from Reading in 2013. Um, he played in 22 games. So that's roughly half the season. Uh, and he scored one goal, but it was quite an important goal. Um it was against Gillingham, which confirmed our uh, playoff spot that season. Uh, since then, he's been out on 15 loans, uh, including Eintracht Frankfurt, having joined Chelsea in 2015. Obviously, you know, they have quite a comprehensive loan programme. Um, he then joined Fulham in 2019 as well. Big man, six foot four. I don't know why, but where it says in the script the 6.4 CB, I, I read that as him being 6.4 centimeters. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, good player. Now I'm going to touch on another, another one that you've suggested back at home. All our lovely listeners is Carl Henry, a midfielder on loan from Stoke in 2004, played. 
nine games, got one goal in the old third division. He's played 136 games for Stoke before he joined us. And afterwards, he went to Wolves, played in the Championship in the Premier League before going to QPR, then Bolton and then Bradford. Now, I don't really know why his Wikipedia has to point this out, but, you know, it says he is a Tory and a Wolverhampton Wanderers fan. OK, moving on. And we've got some big news which came out yesterday. Harry, we may be back in grounds sooner rather than later. Now, the EFL playoff final has been touted as a potential pilot event for a return of fans ahead of the Euros. I don't know about you, Harry. I don't want to be in that. Not either. Not last well, season. <laughs> we will be going up automatically, I really do hope. But it's a good sign that we may be back, hopefully, comfortably next season. The government limits on it are currently a maximum of 10,000 people in the venue or the quarter of the capacity of the smaller grounds, which will be pretty much the same as we had for the Exeter and Bolton games. But we, we use good news. We'll be offered our vaccines by May. We are on our way to safety. This is the aforementioned potentially treat, at least for me, maybe not for everyone else. We're going to talk about our favourite ever Cheltenham Town shirts. Would yes. you like to start yeah. us off? Um, yeah, my my personal favourite Cheltenham shirt is the thirteen fourteen uh, ruby shirt with the white stripes. Um, it is a shirt that I still wear relatively often. Um, as, as now you can't see this at home, that. but myself and Harry are both showing off. The shirt we have in our collection. Mine is a match on Byron Harrison shirt, and Harry's got his nicely aimed at the camera. Yes. It's a pride of place in my room. Uh, it's always the, the, the top shirt hanging up. Um, it's a lovely, lovely no, shirt. I love that shirt. Everything about that shirt is relatively perfect, as far as I'm concerned. Um, to me, a good shirt. It needs, yeah, yeah, a good design first and foremost. That kind of goes without saying, but um, the fit is perfect. You know, it's not too tight. It's not really baggy. Um, my shirt is a small shirt, and it, it's perfect as far as I'm concerned. As you often know, a good shirt. It it needs a good. <laughs> uh, it needs a good collar. You know. There's nothing. It is a simple color. Very nice V-neck. It's exactly. It doesn't. There's no fanciness about it. You know. There's no mix of colors, especially from that kind of time as well. You know, twenty twenty thirteen was a wild west in terms of football shirt colors. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't a pretty time. You know. Um, yeah. And he's a good sponsor, which uh, it does. You know. My responser, nice, well proportioned enough, and white, which is important, matches the accents of the kit. That's all I've really got to say about it, but it is a very, very lovely shirt. I'm going to stay on the ruby tracks and show off our nice 125th anniversary shirt, which was just completely ruby. Now, some people may not know this, but going back to the very, very start of Cheltenham Town, now we used to play in a colour which wouldn't really distinguish ourselves from everyone else, which I believe 
or we believe to have been white. So the club in around the uh, 1880s something, towards the 1880s, 1890s, thought, you know what? We're gonna wear ruby, giving us the old nickname of the rubies. And when we moved into the Birmingham Combination League in 1932, unfortunately our ruby shirts were dropped in favor of red and white hoops, which we will mention later. But I've got to say this nice ruby anniversary shirt, not only was it perfect for an anniversary, perfect for a playoff campaign it's just a perfect shirt i agree good beautiful shirt my only problem is the sleeves make me look like i have matchsticks as arms <laughs> they are a bit thin the, um, the thing about the, those ruby shirts is and you can't say this about a lot of cheltenham shirts but they are timeless like yes I those been. shirts could, could legitimately get released at any time and it'd be completely fine, you know. We have a lot of shirts that haven't aged well at all, I don't think. 1617 one sticks out. Well, I mean, the 1516 kit is um simple, it's, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not a difficult kit. Um, it's nice and simple, really. Yeah, but yeah, you don't remember kits like that. There was something really special about our Ruby kits. Um, which beautiful, beautiful I can't say I feel the same about other ones. Speaking of beautiful shirts, Harry, which one are you going to mention next? I've only actually got two kits listed here because I, I don't think we've had a lot of good kits. But my second kit is our current away kit. Very good it choice. Is absolutely beautiful. It's one of the best um, kits I've ever seen at any club. I, I've never been very nice when I talk about area and the kits that they put out. But that blue one is just, oh, it's perfect. You know? It is absolutely it is stunning. What a weak point on that kit. Um, and to be fair, they, they didn't even have to do any, any marketing rubbish. Um, it's the likes of which they did. You know, they they try to sell it with the whole oh they're the blue in the in in the town crest, the town coat of arms. Um but it's just beautiful blue in itself. And the white um, is perfectly the outline of the badge, the area logo, the Myra logo, the merchants logo, all in one colour is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's it's the most consistent Cheltenham kit that I've seen in such a long time as well. Now, another shirt using the same template as Area do, I have the Holly Gazard shirt, which is actually my favourite ever Cheltenham Town shirt. Maybe controversial because it was a one-off, but I, I look at this shirt and think that is absolutely stunning. A nice white, it's not easy white shirts, they can be a bit boring sometimes, but it is just beautiful. The purple, the white and the pink go amazing together. The stripes across horizontally which are a different shade of blue on the away shirt are also in the purple and the pink my one has the uh, face logo on it they couldn't wear that in the match due to rules around faces on kits but no seriously it is one of my favorite ever shirts and even the area logo on the sleeves in a nice light gray so it doesn't stand out too much is absolutely fantastic yeah they could not have done a better job with that shirt it is 
it is a beautiful shirt and probably the most fitting tribute the club could have done to such fantastic cause. It's a shirt that no one's going to forget for a very long time. And obviously on the day, uh, we managed to sneak away with a with a late victory too. So yeah. all's well that ends well. Now, I have one more shirt to talk about. It is the most recent in my collection. And it, it just stood out to me. I'm not sure why, but I just look at it and think, yes, that is a lovely, lovely shirt holding up for Harry. Now, what are your first impressions on the 2001 shirt? It looks like a 2001 shirt. <laughs> I can give you that. Um, it's it's all right. Um, right, I'll take So you wanted me to give that a bigger compliment, didn't you? Maybe a little one. It's you know what we'll just stick with it. I like it. That's what matters to me. Exactly, Ben. Mm -hmm. I was just all the only point I was going to make was that it is a shirt that is very much of its time. You know, I don't think that you would see something released like that now with the um, kind of pinstriped accents on it. But I think that if you could do a modern version of that shirt, it could actually look very nice. Speaking of modern versions of pinstripe accents, Harry, have we got a treat for the viewers at home? Now, if you cast your mind back to the 2004 to 2005 away shirt, it was a nice black with blue stripes, which they brought back between 2010 and 2013, where they used the pinstripe accents. Now, Myself and Harry, we've designed a modern version. Harry's going to make it look all proper and professional. And we're going to put that out on our social media for you to have a look at. And we'll do that with a few more shirts. Got to say, this club recently has pretty much been looking into our past and going, you know what, that one looks nice. We're going to use that shirt. Current home shirt is based on the pinstripe designs from the 60s. The last one was obviously our famous FA Trophy shirt, our nice yellow away kit with blue accents. I do believe looks to have been based on our League One yellow shirt, which I have in a child size with Finnegan on the back. I think I like the direction it's going, bringing back nice old designs. It's, it's probably not easy to be a shirt designer. Um constantly coming up with original designs which is um, why nike just based well, well yeah you've got to come up with original things all the time on, on on sometimes quite strong parameters you know so so we were home kits um there's not a lot you could do with stripes obviously that's, with that's you know seen. nike as as ben will um attest to uh, if we use Atleti in it as an example, you know, yeah. red and white striped shirts, how yeah. do they get around that? Sometimes they decide to, I don't know, make the stripes look ripped or drawn. Yeah, they, or... It looks like they just got a nice paintbrush and slapped it on the shirt and said, yes, stripes. You've seen what Nike did, the interkit, and they've just done zigzags. Yes, that interkit is absolutely beautiful. Oh, no. But yeah, that intershirt is a decent kit. And it just goes to show. I mean, I wouldn't want Cheltenham to wear that in red and white. I don't think that would look nice. Uh, no. Actually, I don't know. Maybe we can whip it up. 
we can have a look but if you want us to base any designs on another club and see what it looks like we can try sort that out but we are also going to wrap it up with our question of the day harry if you're ready to continue to that point uh, yeah i'm up for that cool now our question of the day is which is your favorite ever cheltenham town shirt we'll put that on our twitter in the coming days you can comment which shirt your favorite is put a nice picture and maybe at some point in the next few weeks we'll go through and have a look at that in a piece to camera where you'll actually be able to see at least my face and see the shirts I am talking about, which I think would be fun if you'd like that. Thank you for listening to Up the Duff episode seven. Next week, we have another special guest, former Cheltenham ladies manager, Graham Fletcher. He's worked a lot with football in Gloucestershire. He is a lifelong fan. He knows everyone at the club pretty much. He'll be coming on to chat about his favourite memories of the club. Thank you for listening all the way through. Um... Feel free to engage with our question of the day on our uh, Instagram page at uh, Up the Duff Podcast and our Twitter page at Up the Duff Pod. Um, and we'll make sure that we reply to every single one of you. And some of you might even be lucky enough to have your comments included on the podcast itself. Yay, but that is what everyone would love. I'm pretty sure on everyone's Christmas list this year it will be to Santa. I would like my comment featured on Up the Duff's Christmas special. Thank you and goodbye. (laughs)